I think I think this shouldn't take longer than like half an hour or 45. We'll be able to knock it out. And yeah. I'm going to have a cup of coffee and then we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, it's been one of those days. Anyways. Right. I mean, it's almost every day nowadays. So. <laughs> I know. It's Halloween. It's crazy. Yeah. Joe. Anyways, welcome back to the ninth episode of Purpose Driven Law. It's been a hot minute. I think it's been about a month since I chatted with you guys. So welcome back to the show, everybody. I am your host, Amy Berry. If you are new here, Purpose Driven Law is a platform that's designed to share stories and experiences of leaders in the legal industry who pursue their purpose through their practice. Remember, you can find my podcast on Purpose Driven Law YouTube channel, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share. So today's guest is Irving Pedroza. Irving is a founding member of Degetio Acrap. <laughs> you got it. And Pedroza. It's a it's a trial firm out of San Diego, California. And if you really have the pleasure of knowing Irving, you know that he just has a servant's heart and his career, really his life has just been dedicated to helping people overcome adversity. And so when he is in the courtroom, he practices all over the state of California. He's litigated hundreds of cases involving personal injury, bad faith insurance, civil rights, and consumer class actions. Welcome to Purpose Driven Law, Irving. How's your day? Hi. Well, thank you for having me. It's it's good. You know, it's uh it's another day. It's Halloween though, so you know, it's always it's always fun. Yeah. Do you have the crazies crawling out in San Diego about now? <laughs> Not yet. It's still you know it's still too early for that. But I think we have a couple crazies here in the office. But you know, <laughs> well, the, they don't leave after Halloween. They stay there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fortunately for us, right? Like in a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So to kick this combo off, we are going to play Two Truths and a Lie. And I know I gave you like five minutes warning to come up with your question or to come up with your Two Truths and a Lie. So we'll see how well you did. So get at it. Yeah. Okay. So with the five minute warning, let's see how good I got at it. So I give you basically three statements, right? And then, yeah. Okay. So, statement number one is I hate bacon. You hate bacon. Yeah. Um, second one is I love Disneyland. <laughs> and third one is I know how to play the piano. Okay. Um, I feel like you hating bacon is the lie because that would make you a psychopath. <laughs> Damn. That's Just funny. Kidding. Um, well, I'm going with that you don't hate bacon. I think you love bacon and I think you hate Disneyland. Uh, well, I do hate bacon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just, it's just not for me. I, and I know most people love bacon. So I figured that's a pretty good one. Okay. That's, yeah, that's pretty good. You always got to be different there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and I've never been to Disneyland, so I can't, I can't love really? it. I've never okay. been to Disneyland. 
You need to have some kids and go, or you just need to go. <laughs> I mean, or not. Or not. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> My cousin got engaged there in Disneyland. I was like, so you went with no, no children and yeah. So to each their own, but. See, no, those are psychopaths. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I love you. I think you're cool. <laughs> okay, well, that was great. Now we know that you uh, hate Disneyland or have never been to Disneyland. So yeah, there we go, everybody. Um, So with this podcast, I really wanted to bring Irving as a, as a guest on the show because when I first met you, I think that was, what, three years ago, I want to like say. That. Yeah, you and I connected right away. I was just in awe of your story and just how you got to being in the position that you are today, being a partner of a very prestigious firm in California. That's something to, you know, really take pride in, um, especially with your upbringing and all of the adversities that you've had to face. And so can you share with us some pivotal moments or experiences from your time growing up and kind of your upbringing that ultimately led you to pursue a career in law? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I always tell people it's like the finding the law or wanting to do something in the law uh, was I think based on the fact that as a as a kid I always felt helpless um, in every situation that we encountered. You know, like, um, and I I know I've said this because I I whenever I talk to people they ask me the same question and like I I you know I was born in in Mexico I was I grew up super poor over there um, I, I was my my family suffered from domestic violence both in Mexico. And then coming to the United States, uh, we were undocumented. I didn't speak the language. Um, at some point or another, my brother was diagnosed. My older brother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Um, at some point, we became homeless. At some point, uh, I also grew up in a, like, I, I was never, like, in a gang, but I grew up in a gang-filled environment. Um, and again, I was, we were still poor. Um at some point, my schizophrenic brother almost killed me two or three times. I think it was three. Um, at some point, I ended up unconscious in the hospital at the hands of my brother. Uh, my brother ended up in jail. My, my father ended up in jail. Um, but every step of the way, I felt helpless to do anything. It, it was almost twofold, right? I was a kid, but also, like, even if... I knew what to do. I couldn't do anything um, because, and even this happens to, to most of us, we literally don't have power over situations that or traumas that happen over us. Mm -hmm. And the more traumas you suffer, the more, the more you're kind of jailed to the trauma. Um, so growing up, I always tell people and it's, it's kind of true. And it's also funny. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if Amy, you've ever watched the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yes. Um, so, so whenever watching the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, I always remember Uncle Phil. He was a lawyer, and the one thing he always wanted to do was be able to take care of his family. Um, and that kind of got imprinted in my head. It's like, what can I do to where number one, I don't feel helpless, uh, and number two, if 
if it happens again or if some other situation happens, what can I do to um, take care of those people that I care about or take care of people in general? And I think uh, my answer at the time was maybe I should become a lawyer. And even if I don't know what to do, I'm going to know someone that knows what to do. Um, and so, you know, ever, ever since I was a kid, I kind of told myself that's the, that's where I need to be, you know? So, um, long story short, that's the reason that I, a long time ago decided I was going to be a lawyer. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And to my understanding, you, um, you, you talk to schools and you talk to kids, about developing their careers into maybe not being a lawyer specifically, but you sharing that story with, you know, other people can just be so inspiring. Um, and you've definitely, you've definitely have lived quite the life. Can you share with us and give us a little bit more insight in kind of what those turning points exactly looked like? Um, while you were while you were going through all of these adversities, kind of what were the turning points that um, made you want to shift and decide to go that route? Yeah, and 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 to your point, whenever I do speak to, because I do speak to students, whether it's you know elementary, usually it's middle school, high school, and college, yeah. uh, because I think at that age you can kind of uh, appreciate more. Um, you know, what, what is happening. Um, but basically one of the themes, it's, it's multiple themes. It's, it's, we live a cyclical life, right? Um, we basically inherit the traumas of our parents. We inherit a lot of, hopefully some of us have somewhat decent parents and, or, or good parents where we inherit some other good things. Um, so that coupled with the fact that everyone has a different hell. Right. Like we can't compare each other. Um, I've heard some crazy stories uh, in, you know, everyone has an individualized health that to them it's traumatic. You know, so I never I never even, you know, whenever I tell my story, I, I always tell people it's like, look, it doesn't matter what I went through because every single one of us goes through something and if, every single one of us has health, you know, so um that and I, I I think I was fortunate enough to early on, um, even though my brother, my brother uh, became schizophrenic or was diagnosed with schizophrenia when I was nine, around when I was nine and he was 12. But before that, he was like my hero. He was basically everything to me. Uh, my father was never really a father figure, but my brother would, you know, teach me everything he was learning. He would teach me you know, math, he would teach me science, he would teach me literally everything he was learning, even though he was ahead a few years. And so what he would always tell me is like, look, with education, we're going to be able to overcome everything, whatever we're going through, whatever we're suffering through, just trust me that with education, we're going to be able to overcome everything. And so even though I was going through or we were going through the traumas, you know, throughout the years, I always held that one belief in 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 myself and what he would tell me um and also i think i think somehow inherently inside of me i was able to in a sense 
just tell myself like why am I doing this right and for me it was always because I, I have a little sister or younger sister than me and I always thought I saw my mom suffer through a lot and I want to make her pain worth it so between having a younger sister whom I had to be a role model to to having the memory of my brother and to having my mom suffer through because like as much as I was going through trauma, I could only imagine what she was going through. Um, it, it always kind of drove me. It, it always kind of inspired me. And no matter what stage I was in life, like for example, I wasn't the greatest high school student. I was pretty, I, I was I was a troublemaker, but um, I always did enough to know where I was headed and mm -hmm. what I needed to do to get to where I needed to get to. Um, and again, I think it was, it was a combination of like the belief and memories of, of my, my family. And that's always been a motivator for me. So, um, that, and at the end of the day, like, like I told you earlier, like, I think once you accept that life is difficult, you stop questioning why it happened to you. You know, why, why is it that I'm going through this? Once you accept that you're not the only one that goes through something, then you realize, then you stop wondering like, oh man, why, why me? Why us? Why? No, now you start finding solutions. So, um, I think that helped me early on. Um, it's, it's still, it's always an ongoing struggle, right? Like it's always, you know, we were talking off air, it's always something happening, but, um, based on what I've been through, I, I basically, I always say is like, I've been through worse. So what's this, what's this little new thing going to, going to do to me. Right. So, um, a combination, <laughs> I hope, I hope I answered your question. I kind of, I kind of, no, you, no, you definitely did. And like, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day of breaking generational trauma. And I feel like, you know, our parents were, you know, they were the aftermath of a lot of their parents were going through the war or um, just learning how to survive. They were in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you act out and you do things that may not make the most logical sense or care for those around you that are closest to you. And now our generation is trying to move past that trauma and break those and break that generational trauma that has been passed through from not only their parents, but their parents before them. And so I think, you know, you and I, we've, like you said, we've had conversations offline that we're really starting to see breakthroughs within our generation of making, you know, new roads and building new ways on how to do things and recognizing that, you know, our parents, even though that they treated us like this, or this is what the life that I was brought up like this, I can understand that they were in that survival mode. I don't have to adapt that. I can love them, put boundaries up, but then learn how to act and serve people in a different way. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's just really beautiful. And also I want to touch on like, 
your brother was such an influential part in your life and such a person that you looked up to as a mentor and somebody that you looked up to guide you. And, you know, I just can't imagine what that shift was like for you when you were nine and he was 12 and just giving you that such sound advice that obviously has impacted you to from, from that point on until today and is really what you've built your legacy off of, of making sure that you educate yourself, making sure that you are in a position where you can protect other people, your family and serve other people. That was really stemmed from the lessons that your brother taught you. And so I just want to recognize that and just say, that's just so beautiful to hear and, you know, to see what platform you've been able to build off from those kind, from that interaction that you've had with him. Um, I just think that that's really cool and very, very special. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's like with everyone, right. It's like what we've been through kind of makes us who we are, you know, um, at, at the end of the day, I I remember just different scenarios where even now, believe it or not, even though like the real, like my real brother, the one I remember hasn't been around for years since, you know, uh, over 20 years now, but um, the way, even now, like whenever I, whenever I feel like I'm not being, the best person, the best Irving I can be in my head. I'm like, the last thing, this is like my biggest fear in life. And like, it kind of relates to my brother. It's like the last thing I want to do is for my brother to ever get better and ever tell me, it's like, look, you had every opportunity I never did. What did Mm. you do with it? Mm. What did you do with it? And what did you, what kind of human did you become? What kind of lawyer did you become? What kind of son did you become? Um, And to a lot of people because I've told this to some people and they're like that sounds stressful like to me it it's not stressful at all it's motivating because it, it's kind of like in a way it's like I'm living my life for two people because that's who inspired me um, and you know he doesn't get the opportunities I do he doesn't he never had the opportunities it, it was it was taken away from him as a child without any input from him. So, yeah, man, that rings so true and so close to home for me as well. Like my, my whole, my whole purpose is to carry on my dad's legacy. And it's something that he isn't able to carry out. I don't know if I've shared this on my platform before, but my dad passed away when I was 16 and he was just such an influential part, not only in my life, but to everybody that knew him. And, you know, it, the same goes for your brother. Like my worst fear at the end of my life is to have that coming to Jesus moment and him being like, this is what your potential was. And this is who you turned out to be. Yeah. And I think is kind of the same song that you're singing is, that's your biggest fear. That's also my biggest fear is just ending this life and not fulfilling what that is. Right. Um, And, you know, touching back on your why, because I also do want to build off of that. Like, you know, so many people go through this trauma and they use their why or they use their pain as an excuse to hold back from their potential and they'll use their why as a crutch and fall on that, you know, and 
from a young age, from when I was like 16, I never felt that I had, I never felt that I had the, um, the, what am I trying to say? I never felt that I had the opportunity or the right to ask why. That's what I was trying to say. I never felt that I had the right to ask why, because I knew such deep into my core that everything happens for a reason. Everything happens in perfect timing in this life. And the trials and the adversities that you go through are meant to shape the character on who you were made to be so that you can step up to new platforms and help and serve other people that maybe are going through similar or even worse situations than you are. And you can be that light and that guide to them. And so using your why to fuel you into where you need to go, that's exactly what you've done. And I just want to say that I'm proud for you for doing that. It's just very cool to see um, to see you do that. So um, transitioning. So when you were when you were on the streets and kind of, uh, you know, you you had that relationship to gangs. What was that transition from that lifestyle into law school? I mean, I, I could tell you it was kind of like shocking yeah. um it and it, it, it it's more than more than even what like i think because most of it we think of like law school you know you being in class um but just culturally shocking um in, in the sense of like even i remember i had some classmates that you know were were latino were mexican-american for example um, and I remember kind of gravitating towards them, but even then, like, I remember feeling like for the first time in my life, it was kind of a reaffirmation. Holy smokes, you are super poor <laughs> kind of thing. And because like, I would, you know, like usually I, I felt like, okay, so I, if I find other people who are similar, quote unquote, similar to me, then, you know, I'll feel okay. And then I started realizing that, no, number one, there is a gap between me and the ones who <laughs> have a gap. Um, but also in terms of like, I had to shift friends, a, a lot of it, right? Because, um, I, and and now, and, and again, I think you mentioned it, you were like very motivated since early on. You're a lot wiser than I am. Because like for me, it, it took know about that years and years and like years of acceptance years of work on myself um to accept who i am and what i am um i always say is like it took me years to develop freedom of thought and, and i never had that um even i can say it's like probably you know all the way through age 25 but part of that was also like um feeling accepted both even in law school, or even before that, because I remember even when I was in high school, I was always um, almost kind of like too brown to be smart and too not dark enough to be as athletic as I was. Um, and but all, all at the end of the day, I was just poor. Right. And like I remember I used to feel ashamed of telling people I had a brother because of what that meant 
right? Like I did not want people to know that my brother was schizophrenic, know that my brother tried to kill me, know that, you know, my brother was in jail or know that um, all sorts of different things about my life. I felt ashamed of it and it hurt at the same time. Right. So, and even some of my friends that I remember um, one time I ended up in the hospital because of my brother basically knocking me unconscious. And so I woke up like a couple of days later in the hospital. Um, and at the time I was, I was dating a, a girl and a couple of my friends came to visit me and they were like, I didn't even know you had a brother. Like, and so, and those were my closest friends. Um, so things like that, it was like, once I got into college, got into law school, it was first accepting who I am and what I am, uh, the per type of person that I am, that I'm not, you know, um, I'm not, I don't, I don't kind of fit into any little box. I don't, I don't, I, I'm different sorts of things. I'm mixed of different things, right? Um, I remember uh, one of the things I remember specifically in law school, I always used to wear a, a not even a backwards hat, a sideways hat. And I remember the first time a professor saw me and I could just see the shock in their face, you know? Um, and, and then at, at some point, one of my friends saw me without a hat and this was already in law school. And he's like, you know, you actually look like a nice guy. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, I am a nice guy, but, um, so it's it's a combination of a lot of things, right? Um, but I also realized, like my childhood friends or even my high school friends, I I had to I had to remove myself in order to kind of accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, um, and in certain certain aspects, right? Like even now, like going back, it's hard to have conversations with them because we live completely different lifestyles we have completely different goals. Um, so a lot of it is, it's a work in progress, I always say. Um, mm -hmm. In some way or another, I think the first thing I would say is like just accepting who you are and what you are. Um, I think that will lead you a, a, a great ways. Um, because at the end of the day, like no, no, no single person, we're going to fit into a little box that society puts us in. Right. Like people may assume things of you. Or a sideways cap. <laughs> exactly. Um, people <laughs> may assume things of you that aren't true. But and even, you know, we always hear it all the time is like it, it's, it's bad to stereotype, but it happens a lot. You know, I, I think we're where for me it worked it's like i i have this quote that i always say is like what other people think of me is none of my business and mm -hmm. i'm just going to continue focusing on what i know i got to focus on i've accepted who i am and i accepted what i am and i'm totally comfortable with that so yes. what other people say or think of me doesn't bother me anymore so. oh my gosh that's so that's so good i'm gonna ask you to text that to me after <laughs> all is done that's so good yeah, like especially, you know, as I'm growing as I'm growing up in my career, as I like to say, because I really did grow up in my legal career. It was the first job I had out of university. I 
I'm still in it. So the people that have been surrounding me since, you know, my mentorship out of university until, you know, six years, seven years after the game, they've just seen me transition from all of these different, uh, all of these different seasons in my life. But exactly that, the stereotype, I never grew up putting myself into that box of even when I always say that I was so much wiser when I was younger. I feel like I'm jealous of the of the 16 year old, the 17 year old girl that I was because I didn't care. There was yeah. no boundaries with me. Like I was so resilient and I was just if I wanted something, I go get it, which I am that person now. But I have like so much other afterthoughts to it because of exactly what you just said like the stereotype the stereotyping that I know that's going on behind people's heads when they first meet me like I always get the I always get the response of oh Amy like I never thought that you did that for work I thought you were like the stupid blonde girl like just yeah. or your typical like your typical young blonde girl um, and I'm like, no, double major, minor, graduated yeah. university, like I, I do X, Y, and Z. And they're shocked by that for some reason. I'm like, it kind of boggles my mind. But yeah, just accepting who you are, and what you are, and just fearlessly going after that. That's, yeah, that's great. Um. So you kind of answered what my next question was going to be, but maybe you can give some more um, ideas or strategies that you that you implemented. But besides just changing your friend group and your environment, which is so important, are there other specific strategies or mindset shifts that you had to go through while you were making those transitions? I mean, I think... I think the first step, like you said, it's like a mindset shift, right? Like you, um, you accept who you are, what you are, you accept that things are going to happen um, at some point or another, things are going to happen. You, whatever trauma happens or any situation happens, you have one choice or two choices. You either can dwell in it or you can accept it, feel it. I always say you accept it, you feel it. And then you move on and you try to find a solution, you know, um, and that's that's with everything. Even even now, as a lawyer, uh, a lot of things happen, sometimes things that we aren't even expecting um, and weird thing, weird things get thrown your way. And basically, you just got to learn from it, see it and move on and, and find a solution. Um, I think, if anything, I would always I would always think about like you know how can i how can i get better as a person like if you think about it it's it's kind of like seeing the um the road ahead of you is like at the end of the day is like what's in the back of my mind is how can i get better every single day as a person as a human being as a lawyer and whatever relationship i'm in whether it's a brother son um and it's it's a constant work in progress and it's it's a never-ending journey right like if you if you kind of like the way i used to think about it is i never felt free to think what i wanted to think because i was going through all these traumas 
I finally felt free to think of just what I wanted to think after I became a lawyer. Um, so looking back, even with with people I went to law school with, I remember I remember thinking we had different mindsets. For them, graduating law school was a goal. It was a, a ending journey. For me, it was a destination. Once I got to that destination, now let me figure out who I am and what I am and let me be okay with me being me and let my head be okay. And now I'm getting to the starting point. Now let's see what I can do. And even, even to this day, like I've never, I never get motivated by money. If you want to motivate me, that's not the right way to do it. The way I get motivated is what can I actually do? Right. What can I accomplish? And a lot of it is kind of inherent from where I came from, what I came from. You know, I remember I told a story uh, the other day to one of my friends and they were like, I, I can't believe it. Um, I had I won like a math field day competition, um, I think, in fifth grade to where my school like not only was it a poor school, <laughs> it was like a not a great school. But the, I won the competition, and for the for the I think for the first place it was a, the the city, but um, then I went on to the county, and at some point my school created an award just for me. They had never given this award. No one in my family ever showed up. Um, no one showed up. No one, no one even acknowledged it. At some point, I think my mom tells one of my aunts, "Oh, Irving." got this award and my aunt's response was my brother's name is Christian. She said Christian could have done better. And so I took that. And then at some other point, like later, a couple of years later, I kept winning all these awards. And I remember my mom had a pile of awards and she looks at me and she says, so what, what has that done for you? You need to do better. And so one of my friends was like, that's traumatic AF. But to me, that's not the way I took it. The way I took it is like, all right, we'll see. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's why at the end of the day, like, we'll see. Right. Like it, you're not like I get motivated, like I get motivated by weird things. And at the end of the day, like I have in my own memory, I've already created the biggest enemies, the biggest obstacles, um, and what anything I see in front of me, it's okay. It, I've been there, done that, you know. Um, we'll one see. of yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I always tell like uh, my biggest like my biggest critic growing up, or the biggest person I always feared growing up was my father. He would tell me, "He's like you're a piece of trash. You're an animal. You you you're nothing." you're never going to accomplish anything in life. Mm -hmm. Anything anyone tells me now is like, so what? <laughs> you know? yeah. You're, you're like, good. I'm good. I've been through the ringer, man. Like <laughs> Exactly. So I'm like, yeah. you know, that's why I say it's like, it, uh, that's the way I'm motivated. It's like, it, it has nothing to do with what anyone else is doing. I don't compare myself to what other people are doing. I literally just want to see what I can do. That's wow. it. Wow. You should have a shirt, a t-shirt made. I love that. Um, 
<laughs> so when you go and talk to these kids in high school or in middle school, what what is like the one piece of advice that you want to leave them with for those kids that are really searching for maybe their purpose or their calling? Um, what do you implore on them? So that's actually a really good question because it's usually always the same question, especially from high school kids. And so, mm-hmm. I, Amy, I think, you know, I read a lot and yeah. I love reading. I will always love reading. Um, the more I read, the more I know I'm not that bright. Um, but one of the questions I always get is like, Irving, it sounds like you're from lawyering to reading books to like trying to do business. When do you have fun? Right. Like, how do you have fun? Like, that sounds boring. And the one thing I always tell them is like, look, your fun develops with you. Right. It changes over time with you. Like what you call fun now isn't what you'll call fun in a few years. Right. Like and even like even as Amy, you know this and I know this, even like some of the best and the biggest businesses that like we're a part of or that we go to, it's it's a lot of fun. Some of the people who we interact with, they're a lot of fun. And so that's the one thing I always tell them. It's like, look, what you consider fun will develop. It will change over time. Um, what they think of fun in high school is different than what fun develops into. Don't let that keep you from uh, improving, from changing, because, and I always give them the story is like, my high school friends, as much as I love them, they're not my best friends now, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I still don't get me wrong. I still talk to them. They're, they're still important to me, but they're not the people I'm hanging out with most of the time. Um, and so that's the one thing I always tell them, because like that's when if you think about a middle school kid or a high school kid, that's the number one thing they think about. They think lawyering or anything else that requires some sort of uh, business or education, it's boring. I, I figure like anything can be boring if you make it boring and vice versa, right? Like anything can be fun if you're around the right people and you absolutely love what you do. And if you love what you do, then you're all set. Yeah, it's not work. It's driving back to that why factor. Like why, why are you wanting to do this? And like you said before, when you were going through law school, like the destination for you wasn't just graduating. It was getting to that point so that you could figure out what the next plan was, what the next what the next hurdle was that you could accomplish where, you know, so many kids that just try and get their degree done or their schooling done is because they're trying to do it for somebody else. And they just want to check that off the list so that they can relax and breathe where it's not the the fuel that's being poured into the tank to get the car to the next yeah. to the next gas station you know what i mean yeah so, it's always you know the, i think the one of the biggest mistakes you actually touched on it is like trying to do things for other people like for not like for example i i always will do everything i i do for for the better of my family but right. that's different than having the expectations like my family, like if it was up to, I, I I can tell you, I would visit my mom this weekend. If it was up to my mom, I'd be at her place every single day. I would not be doing anything. She's like, I want you here. 
But I'm like, no, I need to do things that I know are important to me and yeah. ultimately are better for my family, you know? Yeah. And give you fulfillment, not only yeah. fulfillment. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for your time. I've absolutely loved this conversation. Um, I don't want to take up more of your time. You've already blessed me with 40 minutes. So, you know, um, thank you again. And where can people find you if they want to connect with you, if they want to link up with you? Where? What's the details? I mean, usually usually nowadays it's social media. They can, they can just find yeah. me on Instagram. I think uh, it's Irving, I-R-V-I-N-G dot E-S-Q. So okay. that's cool. the easiest way. All right. Awesome. And then if firms want to co-counsel with you, um, do they, can they just reach out to you at your office or what kind of cases can they co-counsel with you on? Yeah, for sure. Look, we're always, we, we do take cases all over California and uh, actually most of our cases do come from other attorneys, um, but they can always email me or call me. Um, email is simpleirving at dpinjuryattorneys.com. Um, and, you know, and even if they, even if they Google my name, they'll be able to find my, even my cell phone numbers on there. Probably shouldn't oh. say that, but <laughs> so. now you're going to get all these callers. No, I'm not that popular <laughs> yet. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, happy. No, I don't want to say happy Halloween. Um, Enjoy your costume day. <laughs> I, You know, I am wearing a costume right now. I'm yes. a lawyer on his day off. Oh, nice. Very good. Very good. I'm uh I'm I'm a mediocre surfer chick that's <laughs> shutting down for the day. <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, again, thanks for your time. And Thank I'm you. sure I will see you at the next conference that we're going to. So yeah. I'll be there. Yeah, take care. Thank you guys you for listening. If you guys made it this far in the podcast, remember to share this episode if you have gotten any value from it. Um, and the best kind of love that you can show us is subscribing. So once again, thank you. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye guys.